podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Good evening, and this is The Whistleblowers. Back again with myself, Martin Gritton, and co-host, Mark Smith. Yeah, hello. Good to see you, Mark. Good to see you, Martin. That was a good podcast, I thought. That was good fun, We've just it? finished recording uh, episode so number, I don't know what it is. Yeah, there's so much Higher. content. There's so much, to, there's so much to feed off this Love weekend. Love content. Horny Hornets and Gracias Javi, whatever. So, um, <laughs> yeah, very enjoyable. It's better than this. It's been I, a prom- I promise you it's better football. than this. Yeah, it's a podcast. Yeah. We talked about a lot of stuff, I thought, uh, very well. Uh, and we end on the best miss or worst miss I've ever seen. Certainly yeah. a miss. Yeah. Uh, and we touch on essentially the weekend of football you've just seen. Glorious. Doesn't no. sound doesn't sound interesting, but it but it actually is yeah, quite good. Touch on I, I was at Woking versus Torquay and I'm going on about it. Uh, yeah, well, I, do, I do go on about it. And um, we don't go on about Gordon Strachan uh, because he's been banned for life. <laughs> oh, yeah, we didn't uh, talk about that. Yeah. Why don't we talk about that? He's got um, a ban. Cancelled. Yeah. He's been cancelled. <laughs> cancelled. <laughs> Strachan, cancelled. Um, well, we hope you enjoy the podcast. There's plenty of good stuff. So uh, if you like it, great. If you don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I second that, really. Grapefruit's a jarring taste for a sweet. Do you know what I mean? When sometimes you get a grapefruit one and you're like, this mm. isn't, this is more sour than sweet. It's, hard, it's a half As the house. pod started again. It's got... oh, are we recording? <laughs> nice. Okay. I'm happy to keep that in. Yeah, it's fine. Right, Martin. Uh, FA Cup final. Oh, man. No, that's not, not even FA Cup final. FA Cup no. semi-final. Start again. Keep all of this in. Wait for, wait for my cab to go. Martin, yes. let's kick off with the FA Cup semi-finals that kick have off. just occurred, the weekend just gone. It is now Monday, you've had time to reflect. First of all, the Man City game. The Man City game, Leland's gone. not a lot to talk about with Man City. What, did you see the game? What did you think about it? Uh, it just kind of washed over me. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. A wet flannel, a wet <laughs> chamois in the face. Yeah, I mean, there's literally nothing to talk about. No. De Bruyne's assist, very nice. But nothing, I mean, compared to the game after, yeah. the next day, oh, about, uh, we'll get back to City in a minute, because I know you want to talk about their uh, ticket situation, yeah. but the second semi-final on Sunday, Watford oh. against Wolves, is that the best Wembley knockout game that you've seen? So horny for the Hornets, mate, <laughs> so horny for the Hornets. We've got the it podcast was... title on, sort of, There we are, we'll come back <laughs> to Write that. Write that down, horny for the Hornets. It, it, was, it was up there, wasn't it? I mean... To be honest, it's what you want from that caliber of game because they always wheel out the other old semi-finals when they play them at neutral grounds and was going, yeah. oh yeah, neutral grounds, they were great, yeah, it's getting neutral grounds back. Kinda, but at the same time, it's like, well, if you do it well at Wembley, you know, I've seen some absolute ding-dongs, but nothing better than three one down. 2-0 down. 2-0 down. Well, I'm thinking of the Woking thingy game I was at the weekend. Yeah, Sorry, 2-0 right. down Yeah. Um, uh, to get it back to... Well, let's, let's reverse a little bit. Extra um, time. Neutral grounds then. You're not... You, you would go back fan. to them or you would... Yeah, massive fan. But clearly there's stumbling blocks in the way and financially well, I mean, vi- financial yeah. viability. And... Is that all it is? Are they just trying to pay back Wembley? Is that all this is? They're just trying to get as many games in as possible so they can pay back... Oh, well, also, yeah, and the amount of stakeholders involved in yeah. other games with my work hat on. It's like, yeah. you know, having to have those discussions and then... Who gets what and how do you manage that? And, you know, you've got purpose-built cathedral of football there. Yeah. And that's kind of the planning and the idea behind 
putting everything there, but it just fundamentally doesn't work when you start putting games on at five past five and no. people can't get home. And I sort of <laughs> yearn for the days of an FA Cup semi-final at like Villa Park Villa or something. Park's that's a proper, proper place yeah. to go and play. I mean, yep. it's a little bit dated and stuff, but that's what... The FA Cup is. It was, it was something about... Dated. And it was weird because you associate the players with the grounds so much well, who do that you, think you remember... Well, I was just thinking of gigs running through yeah. there against... It just the angle of the camera going, yeah. you know, this isn't quite the right... Yeah. I should be watching someone more familiar at this angle. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. The way you associate those... Um, those, and even just the, like, I don't know, Pardew's head against, uh, you know, that goal against Liverpool and mm. Palace were irresistible. Well, I just love watching those games because it's just this kind of blood and thunder and the fans, how much it means to them because that was... I, would, I don't know if the Champions League... Were England not allowed in Europe at the time for some of those games because the domestic cups were so much more kind of in focus so and like huge. 80s, yeah, those yeah. games were massive. That yeah. was it, you know. Cup winning... Well, not even that. It's right. funny you bring up the, the Ryan Giggs goal, because I think that yesterday's game, Wolves-Watford, is the best semi-final I can remember, probably since that United-Arsenal game. And both games had absolutely everything. One thing that United-Arsenal didn't have in 99 was a striker scoring what he thought was the you know, defining goal of the game and pulling out a mask hmm. from behind the goal and putting it on. Uh, yeah. Troy Deeney alluded to it in a post, post-match press conference on the <laughs> post-match interview on being sports. And he just said, look, and please, I hadn't seen him do that on, at the time because I might have done something. Well, what would you have said? If you're, if you're a player playing for, the, playing for the opposing side and their striker scores a goal and he goes and does a pre-rehearsed thing where he gets a mask from behind the goal and puts it on. It's to me, it's insane. It's embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. But the problem is you can't, you can't be distracted by that. That's the other thing as well. Even if Troy says that, you focus because you put all your energy into, I'm not going to waste my energy hating on that guy. I want to mm. do everything I can to rectify the result. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the way you you look at it because you're just, you're trying to think of ways to get back in the game. Well, I would have been, and that was, you know, and I could be easily distracted, but and I was completely focused when yeah. I was on the pitch. Th- there was a moment a few weeks ago when United were away at PSG um, in Champions League and... PSG, I think in the first 20 minutes, Danny Alves was doing a bit of showboating. And you felt like from that moment, United seemed to really pick up and yeah. go at them and, and they gave them that extra 1%. Yeah. And I wonder if that from Raul Jimenez yesterday, putting the mask on to celebrate like that, that b- absolute blatant taking the piss, that Jesse Lingard moonwalking at the Emirates yeah. level of taking the piss, might just have given the likes of Dini and the likes of Delefeo a bit of like, you know, a bit of oomph. Like, come on, we can't let them do that to us on this stage. With hindsight, it, you could certainly interpret it like that. And otherwise, you're like, what? What a twat for doing it. Just yeah. because it's like, well, you're just inviting. Why would what you do can that? possibly come of this other than you looking like a bell piece when, yeah. you know, when they get back in the game? Let's, well, let's, I think we really need to focus on the brilliance of Watford. And oh, a yeah, lot of definitely. people were saying, you know, De- Delafeu, his impact as a sub, people are saying he should have started, but I'm no, like, no, no. not Th- at This all. proves him right. This, this proves Javi Gracia right. Yeah, I think. absolutely. And Delafeu for all of his flaws and all of the things that people dig out and the kind of, you know, can he do it consistently? Well, listen, the, for him to do it on the biggest occasion for Watford is just... That's more than enough. Exactly. And uh, there's a there's a plaque on the wall. When I played for Plymouth Argyle, one of the few kind of... There's always, there's always one or two touch points for clubs of that size where the furthest they've got in a tournament or whatever. And, and to mark it, they'll do something like put a massive plaque up at the club. And one of them was like a quarterfinal that mm. Plymouth had got to. Um, I'll have to 
uh, check and re-edit this back in if that's wrong, uh, Leon. But basically, uh, Plymouth got to play Watford the and them getting to the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. It was that's John an, Barnes's an Watford. Enormous. Yeah, it was enormous, and I loved walking in and seeing that. And I went, and I looked at. I used to when I was walking on my way and this was when I was on trial there because you pay attention to these things you like you know that impress you about the club yeah. and one of the other th- the things about it was I went back and looked at that Watford side and I was like my god what an, ama- what an amazing team they were yeah. you know and I think they got to the semis that year got a uh, I don't think they. I don't think they got to the final, but just making that that was like one at a landmark for Plymouth, but probably a big moment for Watford as well. So you know how much it means to the club, yeah, and how much it will mean the fans seeing their reaction. Just it, it, it was a beautiful moment for the cup. It's just a genuine once in a lifetime thing, and I think generally speaking in this country, there's an under uh, appreciation for the level of quality there is in, in, in the Premier League and in, in Championship League 1, League 2, whatever. I think people just think... I don't know, maybe it's just me thinking this, but I think it's maybe looking at Twitter too much. People seem to think, well, unless it's Messi or Ronaldo or, you know, a handful of players in the Premier League, everyone else is just shit. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we, oh you only play for Watford, do you shit? Mm-hmm. The reality is, for 99.9% of people in the country, the best player who went to their school can't make it in non-league. Yeah, of course. The, the level is insane. Yeah. So for someone like Troy Deeney to come out and say this is a huge emotional day for me because yeah, we've got to the, yeah, the, yeah. the final of the FA Cup, you realise that this is, this is a huge thing. This is still yeah. one of our biggest competitions. It's the one that people watch around the world still. I think, I think it's great and I think it is, it's a real um, FA Cup magic story. I hate that FA Cup no, magic but phrase, but that's what it feels like. The, the, just the last kind of thing on that is the fact that there's, they always try and manufacture stories. They always, you know, when someone gets to the final, when Pompey got there, when Millwall got there, there was always a couple of little threads that they pull on. But for this, you've got, you know, Gomez and Cole. Mm. A, I'd love to hear, because it could be, it's a kind of era-defining last game of it. might be his last game of his career there. You know, he's, yeah. he's, he's he can't get in the team because of Foster, but he's playing the cup games. Get to the FA Cup final. Foster coming out today and saying well, that. Foster just said it. Yeah, in the last few I hours, wouldn't yeah. take his place. I love that. And, that, and then, that, that's a proper team. Yeah, exactly. And you got Dini. You got Dini himself. That's like you know turning into bloody life coach in his post-match, but brilliant. Yeah. You know, it's like this could be his defense because if they win the FA Cup, and I fully believe that they can give City a run for their money. That why wouldn't you? Knock it on the head after that. Do you know what I mean? Dean, it could how do you be. Top the, it? Yeah, how do you top it? You got, uh, I mean, De La Feu proving everyone wrong. And yeah, who yeah. knows, this could be the, the platform for him to go to, um, you know, sit on the bench for Arsenal for five years. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's made me genuinely excited for the FA Cup, which is something that I wouldn't have said a few weeks ago. The, the one thing I'm concerned about uh, is it was Will Hughes that made way for oh, De La Feu. Yeah. We're big fans of, of Huge. Will Hughes on the podcast. Um, I wonder if because of this performance from Delafeu, Gracia starts him in the final and Will Hughes doesn't get to start. I think that'd be a mistake because I think it'd be leaving too open against It'd be interesting. City. But I really want to see Will Hughes playing at Wembley and not in a heartbreaking you know, playoff final like he did for Derby against QPR. Well, yeah, I totally agree with that. And uh, I think Yavi has uh, got some interest. Uh, the other thing he's going on, Delafeu didn't start because Delafeu was brilliant uh, two games before, but midweek he wasn't very good. So I think he'll go off the form of the league I don't think he'll pick a team you know he'll pick his strongest team going into the game rather than go that worked for the last FA yeah, Cup but match but in terms of form for the league the problem is now that Watford they're not going down and they're not getting top 8 yeah. well not getting top 6 anyway any of the meaningful positions so do they bother with the league now what happens well I think no, 
you're right, but you get a bump. You definitely get this bump in the changing rooms where you start going, I want to play in the FA Cup final. So the right. tra- training will be, the, they've got something to play for. So the intensity's there. Um, yeah. You know, we, we go to Man City, we'll come on to that briefly in a minute, but the interesting thing about City is the fact that they are three games that they've just played are against teams that haven't really pressured them. So people are saying, well, they're going to play Spurs in the Champions League. Are they going to be able to be up to the tempo of it? And of course they are, because... If you go to Man City's training ground, yeah, yeah. I bet you it's terrible. Man City won't play against better players than they played in training. That's the and that's the yeah, most that's amazing thing about point. them. Yeah, you yeah. Know, they're, they're their own best opponents. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, what chance do you give Watford? I mean, we've seen a smaller club than Watford yeah. beat Man City a few years ago with Wigan. So I mean, it, there's got to be. There's a chance, isn't there? Massive. Match management. I think if you look at the players they've got, impact players, we'll look at De La Feo, look at Troy Deeney. I mean, Troy Deeney doesn't have to start against City. Throw him on last 20 minutes battering ram and you've yeah. got you've got the, the right mix. The problem is you just don't want to concede early against a team like that. But so yeah. I don't think they're going to go there and uh, you know, hold back. No, and also Man City are going to be knackered. I mean, they'll, be, they'll have played true. extra games in the Champions League. If they go through against Spurs, they've then got another round before the FA Cup final. So, I mean... Anything can happen with this. Plus, let's let's not just look at Watford and say they got you know good heart players. They've got some outstanding technicians as well. I mean, we've mentioned Delafeo, uh, Pereira. I think Ducure is yeah. brilliant in the seventh of that midfield. And I don't know why he's not got a big move somewhere else yeah. after last season. So I think he'll definitely get one this year if he wants it. But if you're at a club that's won the FA Cup, yeah. you might not want to move. You know, no, it's, it's right. a good club with a good fan base. There's no need to move. Uh, right, let's move on to the. Uh, the Man City Wembley problem, do we call it? <laughs> I mean, they, they struggle to sell their tickets, I suppose is what I'm getting at. They haven't got yeah. a problem with winning games at Wembley, but they seem to be struggling to sell their tickets at that stadium. Why is that, first of all? And is there something that can be rectified? Yeah, well, it's an interesting question because I think there's more to it than people perhaps perceive on the on the top level because it's been discussed a lot and I've seen people getting stick for it on Twitter for expressing opinions or whatever but I mean so, so what, what is that opinion that people are getting so, stick for? so I, well, I saw Christy Gallagher basically coming out and it was quite a sneering uh, her and Robbie Savage towards some fans laughing and joking and saying like you know why why don't they go there and support their club and obviously it's a financial issue for a lot of these for fans for a lot of people yeah of course um, but more interestingly I, I, I uh, a colleague of mine who was at the FA was just saying, you know, well, the ticketing issue um, is basically Man City's own doing because they request all of the tickets. And I think the, the FA are very keen to kind of promote, let's sell out areas of the ground. But, you know, so Man- the FA want to, want to sell block by block. Block by block. But then I would imagine leaving the, the you know, a certain amount for general sale or whatever, you know, got a chance of selling them. But I think, there's, you know, Man City are, are, are their own worst enemy. If the ticketing team are basically saying, you know, we want all these tickets because what's happening is they're, they're selling tickets across the stadium and mm. then there's no blocks of fans and, and it just creates this atmosphere for them. So it's a spark. And it's a bit, but yeah, and I feel sorry for Man City fans because of it because the club, the club should be doing more to kind of rectify that or heavily subsidising it. Or doing they can something. afford it. Exactly. Well, this is it. That's an easy win for them, you would think, yeah. you know, promoting that and getting fans down there. But, but, but is, there not, is there not part of the issue that Man City have grown so quickly in such a short space of time that potential fan bases haven't been able to keep up because they've not been a you know a big club mm. for more than a few years really not not a relevant club at that end of the table anyway yeah. so is there not an issue of that as well there's 
perhaps I don't. All I can go off is the the, the teams that I know that travel well. So Sheff, like Sheffield clubs, Man United, Leeds. There's a tribalism about them that perhaps you're alluding to. That, Everyone in the northeast. Yeah, well, the north basically. You yeah. know, yeah, across the board. There's there's that loyalty. Man City perhaps just haven't had the. It's almost years of maligned sort of why would I bother going to that and I'm not you know I have to be easy how I put it but because I look at both Sheffield teams and I go they're happily take I remember when we played at Torquay uh, played Sheffield Wednesday our place and they brought more because our chairman was so eager to make money he sold more away tickets than home so they brought about (laughs) 6,000 down it didn't even seat 10,000 we had about 3,000 home fans so um, yeah it's something that City but let's not forget, they're in every bloody tournament. So, uh, you know, they, they, yeah. there's a lot of tickets to pay for. And, I, and with coverage as it is, I think there's an, under, there's, an underlying, there's an underlying story that ticket sales are dropping. I yeah. think, you know, that's a legitimate thing that's happened over the last few years. Coverage is better than ever, you know. It's, it's, but what I would say is that I, I've been told the last 20 years that everyone in Manchester is a Man City fan. And that's, that's not true, mate. My man. Turns out it's not true. Some of the best away days I've ever had was with Man United fans. Just the experience of going to Leeds away, the experience of going to Chelsea with Man United. Man United fans, without a doubt, were some of the best fans. Their away fans seen. are great. Home In- fans, not incredible. So much, well, it's just a different beast, isn't it? But oh, there sorry, you go. Scott, stop you there, Martin. Oh, I've missed the call. Sorry, I was getting a call. I've missed it. Um, Clearly, it's important, Mark. Yeah, it, it must be. It's a voicemail. I'll, 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 let me just listen to this. This is the Vodafone voicemail service for... The Whistleblowers. Please leave a message after the tone. Uh, hi, Mark. Hi, Martin. Uh, just had to call you a bit when it's a voicemail. Jack here, your old buddy Jack. Um, yeah, just sort of thinking a bit about the season of West Ham we've had. We've got Chelsea tonight. Um, I mean, obviously, it just depends on which West Ham shows up. Sometimes we'll get a good game against Chelsea and we usually seem to get a good result against them. But then equally, we're happy to shop four goals, three goals to Huddersfield, bottom of the table, and then not show up against Everton. So uh, I'll be interested to see what we do in the summer, really. I think uh, Arnautovic is on his way out. He's lost his head, really. He just can't be asked to play anymore. He seems to have fallen out with the fans quite massively. So uh, I think he'll be out in the summer. Hopefully we'll be getting this guy Maxi Gomez in. He seems to be the main target for a new striker. Maybe Mitrovic to replace Andy Carroll. I think really we'll just have to really fight to hold on to old Declan Rice. He's the guy that we need to hang on to. Hopefully get some other defenders to back up behind him. A new left back would be an absolute dream. But Pellegrini seems to have a good plan. He just needs to get us playing a bit more consistently. That's uh, my two cents. Love you. Bye. Uh, that was Jack Barry. Jack Barry is a comedian and West Ham fan. Thanks for the call, Jack. Uh, Jack, you can see, actually, you can see him do stand-up comedy. His show is at the Soho Theatre on the 17th and 18th of May, so do go and see that. Grits. Sounds good. Yeah. That's, well, that's, that's Chelsea West Ham boxed off. Yeah, There's been a lot of other things going on this week. I'd love, I would like to spend more time on them another week, but perhaps... Yeah, well, for now, let's have, a, let's have a break instead. Do that. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Welcome back. Uh, Mark, I was at a very 
interesting game of the weekend. Yes. No, I know you were. Woking versus Torquay. My beloved Torquay. Eh? Torquay <laughs> fans, that I don't think How they're do they too travel? happy. Well, because I don't really mention, I've not mentioned because of the multitude of clubs that I've, I've, I've had at that level. And then some of them go, oh, well, he never mentions Torquay anymore. He only turns up, turns up when we're winning. And uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, in the league decider, they came back from 3-1 down against second place Woking. 5,000 fans at National League South. It was wow. insane. Wow. 1,500 away fans. It was a brilliant Come atmosphere. Come all the way from Torquay to Woking. All the way from Torquay. So it was That's 1,500 fans. I know, it's mad. And they had um, Martin Tyler as Woking's coach. So he was wandering around the pitch. I'm like, oh, no, it's actually Martin Tyler. It's not like a Sunday league. He's yeah. a- Woking are a decent non-league club. Yeah, yeah. You know? So both... And- phenomenal players on show and Torquay got it back to three each which basically means that they should go on and win the league Gary Johnson ex-Bristol manager their manager absolutely transformed the club so it was brilliant very good fun did that covered covered that a bit in commentary but it just kind of made me long for the pitch again yeah did how much you when you go and see that it was weird that, that was the first time I was like oh it was quite fun because I, I played at that walking ground for Truro, one yeah. of my final games as a professional, if you could, could, could call it that. And we drew three each after being 3-1 down. So it was the same result, Mirror, same yeah. ground. It was bizarre. And I was just kind of like, oh, this is nice. So I'll be delighted to see Torquay back in the in the. Do you conference. have it? Do you have it more when you go to lower league grounds than you do if yeah. you went to? Yeah, because you can just imagine, and you can, you know, you can imagine yourself back out and remember yeah. it. There's it's a not lot much more. of a leap to. No, yeah. it's, it's not. But yeah, no, that was wicked. Uh, but it was just such uh, between that and then the FA Cup games, it was just kind of eclipsed. I've completely forgotten how, how long ago the Liverpool Southampton yeah. game was. So, that feels so, like like the weeks ago. It does. Yeah. So that was Friday night, Liverpool Southampton. Believe it or not. Um, and again, another really good game, I thought. I thought, I don't know if you saw the full game, but for the first 20 minutes of both halves, Southampton looked great. Followed but, your narrative as well, didn't it? Liverpool yeah. just spawning the way through. I mean, they played well second half, but you're right. Southampton were unbelievable. Well, Southampton should have been two up, really. If Shane Long was more clinical... Um, he's got Tobler on feet, and yeah, that, he really like, has. I mean, he, his goal was, was well scored. taken. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but the one he missed was, was pretty poor. But... Liverpool, they're just, they're not playing that well, but they're grinding it out. They're doing it. You know what? There was nothing lucky about their performance and their result on Friday. Um, I thought Southampton's defending for the second goal was absolutely suicidal, and I don't understand how it happened. You've got a corner against a team that you know are the best in the country at counter-attacking. Don't overcommit. Don't leave it. So a header, not even a long ball, a header (laughs) carves you open, lets Salah go through, 65 yards. Anyway, um, apart from that, Liverpool just, they've got that thing, they've got that, that way of grinding results out. But I'll ask you this, because I can't remember a team having this amount of luck. I don't include Friday as being a lucky one. Yeah. But there seems like, I feel like something's happening at that club. If you look at the games, you look at Everton with a Pickford mistake, Palace with a Spironi mistake, Mares missing a penalty at Anfield. Uh, you look at the uh, Fulham goalkeeper in the last few minutes. And you look at the Larice one recently. These are, that's 10 points there that yeah. they have gained, where they should maybe have, have, have dropped some points. You still have to be putting pressure on the opponents to be in those situations to get the luck. And if they win the league, there's nothing lucky about that. You, no. you don't yeah. win the league by luck. But I can't remember it ever being like this for any other running. And I think if you're a player for Liverpool and you've seen this happen, you've played not that well and you've still got the three points, how much belief and confidence must that give the players in that dressing room? You, you do get an inordinate amount because you feel like everything's going your way, but it doesn't take much. Like that first 20 minutes... They're breathing out their arseholes, chasing Seth, Jamie Ward-Price around the pitch. You yeah. know, it's like, 
those those moments are more uh, stark contrast. It terrify you because you're just like, how hard is this going to be? And you can see the relief Salah's go when he takes his top off when mm. when um what's his name when Henderson does about four celebrations in one going yeah. absolutely mental you're like going you, you know you see the Man City players just go oh, yeah and they're great celebrating together don't get me wrong but it's just like my, Liverpool fighting for every scrap and yeah. City just coasting you know like Pepe Le Pew just skipping past them <laughs> and they're just like frantically trying not to drown yeah uh, but but I, but I think what we've seen is Liverpool in tight games in the Americans use the phrase clutch. In clutch situations, they are, they're, they're, they're pulling through and getting, getting results. And now when City are in those situations, of which they've been pretty rare because City are normally two or three up and cruising, but when they are in those tight games, we have seen them drop points yeah. constantly and consistently. That's true. They lost so their I just shit wonder, at Christmas. In, yeah, in these last, whatever, it was six games, is it seven games? I think if, if the backs are against the wall, we don't know if Man City have balls. We know Liverpool yeah. have. We know Liverpool have got a team of leaders. Uh, Alfie Brown, this who was true. Alfie Brown, who um, was on the podcast recently, left a voicemail for us. Yeah. He made the point that actually, I think Liverpool's entire first eleven have been captain of club or country at some point in their in their uh, careers. Great data point. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Cool. That that is yeah. that is leadership all yeah, over the you're pitch. Absolutely right. And Man City, I think you could probably count on half a hand the amount yeah. of real leaders that they've got there. wouldn't make themselves captain in FIFA, no. would they? No, no, that's right. So I just wonder, I, I said Liverpool, or I thought Liverpool would win the league at the start of the season, and I'm not going to change my mind now. I, I feel like I feel like they're going to do it. I can't remember that. I'm going to have to go back through these and check. I think you're talking yeah. shape, but uh, no, you're, you're <laughs> spot on in terms of the the psych, psychology of it, and I find that really interesting because I, I, it wouldn't bother me at all if Liverpool win the league. I love the no, way they're going about it. Big fan of Klopp. Big fan of you know the way they go about it. Um, and it's interesting. A lot of my Liverpool uh, supporting friends just going, ah, oh, the amount of, they, they rising to the bait when people are slagging Liverpool off now, mm. thinking no one else had this stick. Whatever, of course they did. Man City, Man United always had that stick. But Man U fans just had this kind of arrogance going, well, yeah, we're better than everyone else. So everyone has slags <laughs> us off. I think Liverpool are kind of getting to that point now where they'll go, yeah, we're, we're used to kind of it's just, a compliment. just let it wash off your back. It's a compliment. Don't there's be a reason, stressed by it. There's a reason why there's the, the edge of hatred about Man United has disappeared over the last few years because they're not a threat anymore. No, no one really cares about them anymore. People are starting to hate Liverpool they always have done because they, they're history but they're starting to really hate them now because they're successful and because they're a threat it should be a compliment that people are attacking your team really Quite that, right. it's like Alex Ferguson used to say about players they don't, they don't boo bad players that's it do they? no they, do, they want to get in your head uh, yeah. right big week of football coming up um, Champions League starts again tomorrow Man City Spurs I mean don't get any bigger than that <laughs> yeah the new stadium it's insane yeah I went there last week, new stadium. How was it? Great. South stand, unbelievable. All single tier. First half of the, uh, the stand is safe standing as well. I mean, looks like a 1970s sort of snapshot. But the main thing about it is the acoustics in that place. Before, before the game kicked off, they were just singing a uh, song about Deli Alley while he was warming up. And that was louder than anything, anything I've ever heard at wow. Wembley. And that was just like a half-arsed chant. It was unbelievable. Um, so yeah, hosting Man City tomorrow night. How do you see that going? If if Spurs get at them, if if they go at them with a the tempo, the same way Liverpool attack them, and and Spurs have got that in their locker as well, um, anything's possible. Um, City, you've got the. I just think the second legs are such an upper hand in these yeah, getting back yeah. to your home ground. I mean, listen, City are all guns blazing, and you can even get at them. Spurs Spurs can easily get an away goal against them. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but um, just having that advantage plus being the better side, in yeah. my opinion, but. Um, 
good luck to Spurs. It's going to be an absolute belting spectacle. Yeah, I mean, there is there is a chance that I think I think Man City. It, it could be that Man City are two up in half an hour, two away goals, and that's that's it. But I've got a feeling Spurs tomorrow might, might pull something out. I, I don't I, think they can shut up shop. I don't know any teams that shut up. Atletico Madrid can't even shut up no, shop anymore. So right. there's no such thing as that. It's particularly when you've got the the quality that. Uh, Spurs have got so yeah. Let's see. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to outdate this podcast anyway because uh, no, <laughs> any more than it needs to be. But uh, we'll, we'll come back to that next week. Uh, Liverpool Porto. I think we all agree. Liverpool. Yeah, it should be Liverpool. All uh, New Balance match up there. I remember, uh, yeah, when I used to do the graph above. So it's uh, that's that's quite an interesting one because it'd be um, yeah because Porto have got some good players in there and Liverpool. Uh, I wonder if it, what sort of distraction it will, it will give us an indication of how Klopp. Because he's got to play his strongest team. Well, I think they'll blow him away in, in the first half and then go. be able to put the feet up for the for the second half and the second leg. That's what you'd hope anyway if you're a Liverpool supporter. Uh, United, Barcelona. I mean... Mm. I'm in Manchester tomorrow night as are well. Are you? Get I, don't know. I don't know. You'll just, just tweet them. Yeah, that's a good point. Save for the whistleblowers. What a game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't... I mean, we said this about PSG, but I, I really can't see United having a chance here. Mm. Um, I hope they win it. Obviously, I'd like to see as many English teams as I can on the semis, but... Barca are in great form at the moment. Man United having a little bit of a wobble. I don't know. I just can't see... I can't see him shutting up Suarez and Messi. Look forward to it. Mm. Uh, and the final one, Ajax-Juve. Now, you'd think that's a gimme for the Juve, game. but actually, the way Ajax have played recently... If Ajax, if Ajax do this, it, I love the story that the manager did a, you know, a, a heartfelt team talk at the end of the season saying lads we've got one chance to do this if we keep the squad together for one more year we can we can go on and do this yeah and in the way that they you know replicate in the 90 was it 96 something like 95 the Clive at 95 yeah, yeah what a side that was and he, and they're on to something here because I remember when Ericsson was coming through and he destroyed he destroyed a man a good man city side went away to and was like who's this kid and I couldn't believe that 19 and captain or something it's unbelievable and you just go like this Ajax have not stopped producing brilliant players so I would I'd love that there's a romanticism about that definitely game and you know but Juventus who who would bet against them two of the most iconic kits in world football I think as well and was it actually was that the game? I oh, know it was against AC Milan the Clivert one. But anyway, Clivert that AC era, I think Juve yeah. was you know Ravinelli and the kind yeah. of Viali. Oh, what, what a time! What a time for football. Uh, throw from the sublime of Ravinelli and <laughs> and, and the likes to uh, the absolutely insanely should be illegally ridiculous last night. Uh, Chupo Moting, the uh, PSG striker signed from Stoke in the summer. <laughs> At Stoke, we all thought he was fine. He's gone to the most trendily dressed club in Europe, PSG. (laughs) And I mean, if you haven't seen the miss from last night, I want you to pause this podcast and just go on YouTube it. Chupa Moting's miss uh, against Strasbourg last night. Martin, I mean... Caught me through took, it. Yeah, how how's it happened? What's happened there? Describe what's happened. Describe it's what's happened. Weird, like the balls balls come in. He's like, it's going in almost, and his yeah. touch stops it going in. But he's on the line it's when he touches it. If he doesn't touch it at all, yeah. it goes in. And it's like one of those nightmares when you're stuck and you can't get. You're running and you're not getting anywhere, and you wake it and you wake yourself up and go, yeah. "That was horrible." It's like some kind of weird sleep paralysis thing, and it looks like he's got that. And but, but a lot of people are saying it just match made me fixing. angry and it made me sick. People are saying mind. match fixing, right? You mentioned it in the break. It's like Grobbler when he was just chucking them in. But it can't be. It, it, you can't make it that obvious. He surely wouldn't have made it that obvious, right? And what, what is the bet that's been placed there if he's match fixing? I don't know what the bet would be. Like, Chupamoting to, 
to miss the <laughs> easiest goal in history at, at 40 to 1. Yeah. And, it doesn't and, really... I'll, and I'll pale on it. Yeah. I'll put f- but also, five grand It was on one that. all after like half an hour. Like It can't be to PSG to lose the game because that... There's so much time left. I don't know. And we've it, given it far too it. much time already. He's disgusting. We, and, and to be honest, he should retire after So we'll see that. him at Arsenal next year. Yeah. Or the best tubes. <laughs> uh, chopper chops. Right. On that, that, on that note, I think we should probably uh, get the hell out of here. Yeah. Uh, Martin, thanks for being uh, here as ever. Right, thank you. And who is our friend? Is, uh, Jack Barry. Uh, Jack Barry, funny man. Barry, we'll see, Barry, yeah, not Barry. Jack Barry. Well, we'll, we'll be linking him in, so uh, please do investigate him because he's, uh, he's a funny guy. He is. Right, till next time. We've been the Whistleblowers. Goodbye. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Ladbrokes. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.